0: My name is Steve Lascauza. Welcome to the Catcher and Keeper Podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Tim Harris. Tim, how are you?
1: Doing well. How are you, Steve?
0: Pretty good. If I say Muppet Baby Yoda, what do you think of? Hold that thought. All right. Tim Harris and Steve Lascauza are joined by a special guest today, Andy Shulb. Andy, thanks for joining us today.
2: Happy to be on the podcast,
0: Steve. All three of us have seen... The Mandalorian multiple times. So we know everything there is to know. No, I'm just kidding. We know uh, that it was episode one, chapter one, directed by Dave Filoni, scored by Ludwig Gorenson, Pedro Pascal, and the title role is The Mandalorian. And uh, it was, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I want to get your first impressions though, Tim. Your first impressions of The Mandalorian. What did you come away feeling when you saw The Mandalorian for the first time? I
1: liked the, the adult aspect where it wasn't just childlike, so we got to actually have. As I grow in the Star Wars, so does the characters. They're
0: staying with my true like age. So as Annie was saying, it, it's not that it's mature; it's just that it's a little bit the, the content is a, a little bit more adult, uh, not <laughs> in the bad way. It but, feels just very
2: developed, and it feels like it's it has a large scope. has a cool story that seems like it has many layers which is exciting there's chapters that you know that you're going to continue to explore it's not just a 90 minute
0: ride and i felt like this was i think you said it as well the most star wars like offering from disney that they've had since four five and six well disney you know put out two movies well three four more movies and this one felt, to me, the closest to... And maybe it's because of the time frame that we're supposed to be set in. Just so close after the Return of the Jedi. Uh, but this one felt the most Star Wars-y to me. And I like The Force Awakens. I liked Solo. And I liked Rogue One. Me I, too. Not, I love all of them. Yeah. I. But this one felt more like when I was watching, I was saying, Okay, this I believe. And this is something... That I can get behind It made you just
2: want to go there You felt like you could go there And it was a real place You felt like it wasn't something That was just this computer Generated world It felt like a real place That you could go And you felt like you were Watching someone else's adventure Unfold before you
0: It didn't feel like There were cheap moments It didn't feel like There was something that, That really brought me out There may have been A couple of things That I go Oh really? But I've instantly Believed that they're part Of the Star Wars universe Whereas sometimes In some of the movies There's something I go Really? That's doesn't feel like Star Wars.
2: Well, it, personally, it reminded me of the clip when J.J. Abrams took over the helm of the Star Wars movies and he wanted to pitch to everyone that we're going back to the real sets, we're going back to the authentic stuff, and there was a creature that was walking with that box on his back, and there was a footage that walked by, and you felt like, oh my goodness, Star Wars is real. And I felt like that's what this felt like, differently than some of the other movies where it felt like everything was, oh, I could totally make that on my computer.
1: Right, a lot of CGI input where it does look fake, it does look like a video game you're watching. Um, you're right. In this one, we have, I don't want to minimize it, but we have some puppets. And, and we, we mentioned that earlier about some of the characters that look like puppets. And, and realistically done
0: and well done, but back to the original three. Where we there's, have, there's probably a lot of CGI in this as well. I, we don't, none of us know shot by shot what, what CGI and what's puppet, but it felt. Like, I mean, you just know that that Kowakian monkey lizard was a puppet. Now, maybe not the one <laughs> on <laughs> roasting the on the spit. No, no, that's but, stuffed. Yeah, you just you just know that some of the things that you were looking at were real things that existed in that universe. And that made all of those other CGI elements um, feel just so much more real. So, well, the
2: thing you get with that Kowakian monkey is that you feel emotion from his face. Sometimes when you have a <laughs> CG character, they're so um, smoothed out and so... Uh, just matte finished and everything, that you lose that emotion and you feel that emotion when he was like crying that his friend was being roasted.
0: I think we all have children. It is a little bit harder for a young child to watch this because this seems more real than some of those other offerings. If it's if it's too heavy on the CGI, maybe it doesn't feel like it's a part of the lived in world, but the legs twitching on the ground. You didn't need a gratuitous shot uh of the of the guy getting cut in half from the trailer. But you you got just enough of that feel when you saw the legs twitching on the ground. So there was real
2: cost. The people people really died. There was real deaths. They weren't they didn't feel like they were just uh stormtroopers
0: getting knocked over. And that's what we're gonna start we're gonna talk about today. So let's get right into our recap portion. Okay, so we're gonna start off where the show starts off. It starts off with a nice cool logo. Um it's a new font I think you you mentioned uh, really just it's not it's not the scroll it's not the fanfare but it did it did kind of instantly put me into the into the mood I don't know what do you guys think
1: I had a little bit of disappointment that there wasn't the fanfare music
0: See and I thought it was
2: perfect because when Rogue One came out everybody was gonna everybody said are they gonna have the fanfare is they gonna have the crawl and it was the first Star Wars thing to not have a crawl. And I was excited because I felt like it was authentic, but it still used that same yellow um, empty font. What was cool is that the Star Wars words weren't stacked on top of each other. They were set next to each other. They had them more squared off on the top and the bottoms. But what I loved about it is it still had that little flash like the Lucasfilm logo does. You know how it has that little sunburst. The shimmer. The shimmer. Yeah. And so the shimmer was so cool, and I felt like it brought us into the, the 21st century as far as logos go for Star Wars.
0: The, the first thing I heard, and we didn't even talk about all the um, streaming issues that the Disney Plus service had, which is really not important, but the first thing I heard was those sounds of Star Wars. So I didn't even get to see uh, all that until, uh, until my second chance to watch it, where I actually did get to sit down and watch it. I did get a feeling, I was like, oh man, I really wish I could see this right now because it put me in the mood. And then once, once the cold open happened... That's when things really started getting rolling. I mean, they went right into the action. The Mandalorian, we got to see him walking on an ice planet. We see a bar, and there's a non-basic-speaking human, and his friends are harassing a blue fish-like alien who does happen to speak basic, which is English as we hear it. And they've even got the little uh, subtitles for the man speaking either Huttese or something else, some other language. So we, we we get a little bit of flavor of Return of the Jedi again, that, that early basic versus uh alien language so it's we're, we're getting in the mood um the mandalorian enters and he runs afoul of the human male or the human male immediately it, takes his eyes off of the blue fish alien the myth mithral 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 and he t- turns to the mandalorian uh, trying to assert himself he picks a fight and one of the human's friends is dispatched as we see in the trailers and then the alien thanks the Mandalorian, but it turns out that he ends up being the bounty. And he can go either warm or cold, which is probably one of our favorite lines um, from the show. And thankfully for him, he chooses warm. And then we go outside, we see a Mandalorian, the Mandalorian seeking an Uber driver by Flute, which is kind of weird. Um, but it somehow seems to fit in the Star Wars uh, universe. Uh, first, he passes on a droid driver. And the first first watch, I thought, maybe he's just got a thing against droids. The second time I, thought, I saw it, I thought maybe he's... Well, we'll get to that in a second because the, driver, the, the human driver that comes up takes him back to the ship and then he gets promptly eaten when he's driving off. Uh, and then the Mandalorian helps to uh, get the creature, whatever, I'm not sure what that creature is, but he helps to get that out. And then they take off... Um, And the Mandalorian stuns that animal, and they go off. Now, I thought on the second viewing um, that it wasn't that he just didn't like droids. That it was that he knew that there was those creatures under the surface, and that he didn't think that a droid was going to be as concerned as a human driver. But what do you guys think about that whole first uh, series, our our first taste of action, and our first uh, little misdirect with... uh, the alien becoming the bounty when we think the Mandalorian's coming in and saving him.
2: So I thought it was really cool that the alien... <clears throat> I love the way he negotiated. It reminded me of Poe and Kylo Ren in Episode 7. When he's like, wait, do I talk first? Do you talk first? Mm-hmm. And there was he had that kind of humor in it, which I felt was very Star Wars humor. It's very much Han Solo uh, just arguing for the sake of arguing. But I also... Um, I thought what you said was spot on about the droid. Because I think reaction times of a human um, driver... Would be totally different um and he would be looking differently whereas the range of the r2 unit that was driving that that speeder even though it was a much nicer speeder it wouldn't have the same reaction times because he couldn't see down he was limited in scope of his vision so i think that totally makes sense for his reason i don't think he was prejudiced against droids like it appears yeah. in the beginning
1: well he didn't have intuition right a droid wouldn't have the intuition even though r2 d2 at many times we see him personalized and he has some feelings that we wouldn't think a droid would have feelings. And he's, I think he's actually taking that aspect of, I don't want non-intuition. I know it's a dangerous spot. I want to be somebody that's been driving this uh, you know, path.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think that's what it is. I, I don't know that for sure, but based on something that happens later in the episode, I think that that's probably a good guess. And uh, that was our first scene from the bar uh, up until when the bounty is, Taken on the ship and into space.
2: So I think the reason that we are preconditioned to assume that he doesn't like droids is because we're so... It's such a callback to Moss Eisley. And when that bartender says droids aren't allowed in here, I think that's where we're getting that from. I think we're imprinting from that previous A New Hope feature when he says, hey, no droids allowed. I think we just assume that prejudice and copy and paste it onto the bounty hunter, which I don't think is fair.
0: As we see more and more of the Mandalorian, it seems like he's not what everyone else expects him in the universe in the star wars universe expects him to be he's we see a lot more humanity from him he's not as cold he's not as cold um he's got a heart uh he may be a bounty hunter and i don't want to say bounty hunter with a heart of gold because i we don't know that much about him yet but he definitely doesn't seem like he's ruthless he seems like he's just out for the job that he's doing this to make money and and as we're going to see soon that seems to really be what um, what is happening. Yeah, he seems like
2: a blue collar dude just carrying on his heritage. So and he's just want to he's just want to bring his people a good name, and he, he wants to make some money.
0: Somebody's got to make money. Somebody's got to bring those people in, and why not him? All right. So the the scene then switches inside the Razor Crest. They're in space. That's our first. You know, it's a Star Wars, and this is our first chance to see um, space. So the Razor Crest is flying out, um, and the blue alien, the Mithral um, Horatio Sands, by the way. If no, nobody picked up on that, um, tries to make small talk. Mandalorians having none of it, so he goes to relieve himself. And Tim, what was the what was the line? Um, he needed to find the uh, evac
1: tube. Evac tube, not evac,
0: not the back tube, but the evac tube. Right, because he hadn't evacuated since, since the solstice. solstice. Yeah. since the solstice. So a little bit of. Uh, I, I, I mean, we're going to touch on this a lot, but a little bit of Star Wars humor—it wasn't out, it wasn't outlandish, it wasn't even gross. It was no, but just a
2: little clean bathroom humor goes right. a long way. It, but it, it just th- felt legit. Like it felt like a real struggle. Like he's a real alien, and we felt like we were brought in because we don't have experience with those aliens. But the great thing is they didn't give us the whole story. We didn't get five paragraphs about the the vac tube. We just got the hey, I haven't gone since the Solstice. <laughs>
0: so. I don't think we've ever seen in any Star Wars anything them using the bathroom before now we didn't thankfully see him use it here either but we but do get to see we do get to see that yes that in the star wars universe people do have to go to the bathroom at some point and we got to see you know so often we only see inside the cockpits of these uh, places uh, or maybe a common area like uh with the millennium falcon but here we got to see a real lived in ship and it's not slave one but it is uh you know it's, it's a really cool looking ship and it does it's got the, the bunk in the corner, and then it's got some other things in there. Uh, the the blue aliens snooping around. He finds the weapons cache and rather than take it and try to Test his luck because he knows that the Mandalorian is gonna blast him before. He, I mean, he you just got to kill a
2: dozen dudes in a bar, right? He, the baddest dudes and,
0: that he'd ever seen, and he doesn't fight back. He uses
1: words, and right? Like you've said that we don't think that he was actually a, a um, somebody that was.
0: He's a con artist.
1: He's uh, a con artist. That's what you said earlier. Yeah, that he doesn't do action.
0: He uses his words to defend himself. He's doing his best job while he is actually snooping around. He is talking out loud and saying talking to oh, himself. Oh, th- yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks a lot. I appreciate. Oh, it's going to take a while. You know, he's doing what he does in and he thinks up until he starts to see the Rodian and then the two humans and then he quickly ends up becoming the fourth ornament, uh, the the fourth person in Carbonite, which was another cool little. You got the sound of the the Carbonite, fr- a little just a little flash of the sound of the carbon freeze, um, and, and the sound that it made. Even you know back in uh, Empire Strikes Back, it was a very cool little nod, and uh, and and that let us know that listen the bounty the, the bounty hunter the Mandalorian, he's not a sucker, <laughs> you know he 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 may have been letting this guy spin his yarns but he knew what was going on so this guy is not only a good fighter but he's also savvy
2: he also just never pays any attention to any of his oral arguments he just sits there he listens he doesn't even say a word he just tunes him out which i think is such a cool move
0: on his part all right so we pick back up uh the next scene is in a pa- spaceport. it's a dirty looking planet the mandalorian he's got his bounties he Walks through the port to find out what we discover is Grief Karga, who pays him and alerts him to a new bounty. And it doesn't take a bounty puck this time; it's going to take a card. And he's he walks through the town a little bit more, finds the door, and a familiar-looking droid eye comes out. He scans his card, goes in. A gonk droid takes him back to the client, who's guarded by what it looks like former stormtroopers or or maybe guys who just stole the armor. We're not sure. A doctor enters the room, nearly causes a shootout, but the client smooth talks things, smooths things over, gives the bounty and a down payment of Beskar steel, which is what the Mandalorian armor is traditionally made of. And since Mandalore was dominated by the Empire, possibly annihilated, it's it's probably a little bit rare. Um, he accepts the bounty, heads off to an armor specializing in Beskar. He gets a pauldron made, and then we see some flashbacks. Of what we we just have to assume are him as a foundling, and then we hear of a great purge, and hear that his signet has not yet been revealed. So a lot happens in that little uh, scene. There we we see Carl Weathers showing up as Grief Karga with uh, as you said both of his hands. Um, we're not sure if they're real or not, but uh, he he shows up uh, and is as the I guess the bounty hunter middleman. Uh, we learn a little bit about the the Mandalorian. We know that he doesn't like Empire credits. He takes less money um, um, because he wants clean credits, I guess. Or maybe it's just that he hates the Empire. Um, we see a flashback, so we're not, we're not really sure how old the Mandalorian is. But maybe that's the Droid Army from the Clone Wars. Maybe that's maybe he does hate droids a little bit because of that. Who knows what it is that 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 formed his his thoughts, but. Uh, we get to know a little bit more about him because the the armor that he gets made, the excess steel he donates to foundlings because I guess he maybe he was an orphan and uh, and, and he, he's got some connections. So it's we, we know that he's not just out for himself that there's some more um, background to this guy and does that make us like him more or do, or do we really not even need this scene? Do you feel like this is a necessary? Scene for us because a lot of people that I've seen on the internet say this is like the most important scene uh, yet, um, but I don't know how you guys feel about it.
2: See, I, I took a different view from the not liking imperial credits. I felt like he knew this guy. He's coming to him for a new bounties, and so he knows he has different money. And so he says, "Hey, I don't want that money. I want your better money. I want the one that's going to be pure." But then um, I also think that I think the foundry scene is very important when he's when he's just making the armor. I think gives us a little insight into his. Um, he's not, it separates him from being a droid. He has emotions. He has thoughts. He, he has a past. Unlike Finn, who has no past, he has a past and he remembers being a child. And so I think having those flashbacks, it's much like Ray, where he had that just kind of remix chopped up flashback. And I feel like they're going to unpack that as the years go on in the series.
0: Tim, what do you think about that scene? Do you think it's important? Do you, did you learn anything by watching this that you maybe didn't expect From the Mandalorian? Well, I think the credits are something that I
1: actually took away from it, being with the uh, Imperial symbol on it, and with the Empire fallen. I mean, we've got money that's of less value, or it might be high value in some places, but overall, it's just going to be less value wherever he starts to go the further along he's saving. And then later we do see, uh, was it Grief? Mm -hmm. Um, He has that signet,
0: on, or uh, he has a, a medallion. Oh, that was the cli- The client, yeah. The client. Grief Carga is the is the one. Carl Weathers is Grief Carga. Oh, and then there's a client who I don't think Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog is the actor who plays uh, actor director who plays that character. And, and you're right, he does have like a gold. I I did I totally missed that, but it's it's clearly uh, an imperial symbol. And there was some speculation uh, before we we started podcasting about whether or not he stole it or but it, clearly he is it's, proud of it right you now
1: he's he's flaunting it
0: he's part it's of a, a fallen empire forward.
1: and I, I kind of put it like a fallen government or let's not to go dark but like the nazis that went to you know another country and you know there were some people that were proud of it and there were some people that hung on to some pieces and these imperial guards or you thought possibly andy that they were maybe uh just like a guy stole, they scavenged the outfits. Or were they loyalists?
0: There's always, when they're, whenever there's a power vacuum, somebody is going to rush in to to seize that power. I think we're going to see more and more of that as the show goes on. Just based on the the trailers that we've seen, there are, it looks like there are other Imperial f- uh, figures that are shown in the trailers. We know that Gina Carano, who's going to make an appearance in a later episode... Is a former shock trooper. We don't want to think that all imperial army members were necessarily bad. We've seen that already. With Finn, with Finn, the uh, the resistance, uh, the show, the resistance. Um, there is a former um, imperial type fighter pilot that is not. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just. He's done with the empire. So he's he's not part of the first order. Uh, we also see people who willingly join the, fir- the First Order uh, in that show. So we know that Star Wars will go there. That There's clearly moral choices. Now, I, I for one, personally don't like that. I like to have my good good and my bad bad. Um, I don't like the, the gray area um, that seems to be popping up more and more in pop culture. I liked when I was a kid... Just saying, you know, well, the empire's all bad, and and the rebels are all good. That doesn't clearly, as you get older, you understand that that's not the case. But I like that feeling that you know we're going to be rooting for the good guy. I don't have a feeling that the Mandalorian is a bad guy, especially based on the rest of the episode. But he very well may could be uh, that the Breaking Bad is a, is a well, show that's the style you, where you're going to the... root for the bad guy possibly.
1: That's the style. You they do get you the see somebody that's bad, and then after a couple episodes, you're like, oh, I like this character. And you start to have a, a feeling, an emotion towards the bad
2: guy, and you don't want them to be bad. But Well, see, and I think it's a page right on the Han Solo playbook, right? Han Solo, he, not good, he, he's right. not good or bad. I think the cool thing about The Mandalorian is it's a scoundrel. And so he, he gets to make his own choices, and I think what's going to be cool is we're going to get to see him the repercussions of his decisions that he's going to make so for me i think it's a more pure character than just being i think the the white horse and the black horse and the the old westerns where you could tell exactly who was the good guy and who was the bad guy based on their hat choices even so much in the original star wars where luke had an all-white costume and darth vader was an all-black um this is so much more special to me because we are going to get to, we don't know who he is and we're going to get to find out on adventure as he makes choices like we would in our lives. He's
0: going to have repercussions that follow him everywhere he goes. Alright, so now we're on to a new planet, a desert planet, the Mandalorian. He's scouting a ridge. He sees blurgs, which are these two-legged, large beasts in Star Wars universe. And in a scene reminiscent of one from A New Hope, he's as he's scouting through the lens of his scope. Uh, he's ambushed by one. And then uh, an ugnat rescues him because a couple of them really get the upper hand on him. Uh, the ugnat rescues him and we learn that many others have been coming for this bounty because the ugnat takes him back. He, uh, The Mandalorian actually thanks him, offers to pay him, um, offers him part, a share um, of the reward. But the ugnat says, I just want half, but he just wants... The, one of the the blurgs. I, I guess that's just he's just content with being on that planet and and living out his existence. Um, but he helps the Mandalorian to ride a blurg, and then he says it's important for the mission. We don't really see why, um, unless uh, life forms are being detected on the surface, and that's why the Razor Crest can't be used. But they end up riding out uh, and heading out towards uh, what we'll later find out is a compound. But this scene in particular is one where we get to see a little bit of vulnerability from the Mandalorian. Because right away, um, he's dispatched uh, all sorts of, of guys. Uh, we, we saw in the bar how easily he took out a few different guys. But these large beasts, um, he, he was caught off guard, A. And two, he didn't seem to be doing very well. It seemed like he was going to meet his end. And then, Andy, you, you brought up um, earlier when we were talking before the podcast that uh, we, we get to see that he's not so good at just about everything. He He's a really good bounty hunter, but he's not perfect.
2: Which I think is so cool because it keeps him from being a Jedi where he could just force anything to happen. But it also makes him uh, a, a person that's complete. He's great at some things, that he has weaknesses. So it's kind of cool. It gives him um, – he's not that, that – like we talked about before. He's not that galvanized, great at everything. He's not a superhero. You know, he's just a regular dude that's doing a job.
0: It's not that I couldn't do without it, but this seemed like one of these scenes that you see in so many other television shows where, all right, so he's got a, It's uh, you You actually just brought we brought up Carl Weathers and Rocky. It almost seemed like, a, oh, okay, this is his training montage, you know. Trying to track down the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, what it, it, it really kind of felt a little awkward to me. Uh, it, it did give us a little insight into him where we see a little tenderness from him towards another living creature, but, uh, just a few minutes ago he was ready to, you know, shoot him and I think you said punch him in the eye. Yeah, um, he punched him in the eye again. You know, like a shark attack. Right, right yeah, you, you know, so, I, I, I mean, I know he's fighting for his survival there, but, but now we see a different side of him all of a sudden. My
1: first viewing, I really didn't care for it, but until Andy had said, you know, some of the things that he had said that he's not perfect. That he is learning, and we see that also with while he's with the uh, armor, that he doesn't have his full set of armor, right? He's still learning, or he's he's still journeying, right? And so he's still got another aspect to learn along the way, and and riding an animal is definitely not uh, riding a speeder bike, which is what he wanted. He wanted to actually uh, get a speeder bike to get to the compound, but...
0: That's right, he did, he did ask for just some different transportation. and, right, and For we, some reason, we, we hear it's important, but we're well, not really sure.
1: We see the aerial view when they're actually going to the compound, and there's giant cre- uh, crevices cracks. Mm-hmm. and cracks in the earth where he can't get to them. Probably on the speeder bike, it's going to drop in a hole. So these little guys, two-legged. They know the terrain. They, they, they can bounce. Yeah. They live
2: there. The thing I liked about that character, I can see where you guys wouldn't like him, because he's so, um, he's so just different and gravelly. But I love the quirky... For me, Star Wars is all about the background characters. The The awesomest thing in Solo was that guy that died way too short on the um, on that one run that was flying the ship. All yeah. the little alien creature guys. John Favreau. Yeah, John exactly. Favreau. Yes. Those yeah. are the guys yep. to me as a kid. I mean, I know you're not supposed to like Ewoks, but I love the Ewoks. Oh, I, I know did. you're not supposed to like Jar Jar, but I like Jar Jar. And I know... But Bossa NASA, and all those different characters to me... The aliens are what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. If not, it's just a regular flat movie with people in it. And so the fact that he's a creature, he's a weird height, he has a weird cadence, and the fact that he just says, I have spoken, it's very um, Lord of the Rings, fantasy. Um, just a different language, even though it's the common tongue. Yeah. And yeah. It shows yeah. that he's from a different place than the Mandalorian is. It, sh- it gives. It's another way to make a
0: place at a new place. We've seen Ugnots before in Star Wars movies. In The Empire Strikes Back, they're they're kind of they not non sentient, but they're they don't really speak a language when they're in the Cloud City, disposing of the garbage. And then we see them in some cartoons. Uh, we don't. This is the first time I think we've really seen an Ugnot. It it almost seems like his age or his um, his choice to live in this barren place uh really has formed him as a character it's there's so much old west in that scene too there's actually like a windmill uh right in, in the and the way they shot i mean it was the way they shot the scene it was almost like this is the grizzled old veteran that uh you know he's the if the mandalorian is the horse rider who's down in his luck or his horse has thrown a shoe or something and he's fallen down in a ravine and and here comes this kindly old rancher who's out in the middle of nowhere and nurses him back to health now that it didn't happen exactly that way here, but here's the guy. He's like, I know exactly what you need before you even need it. You need one of these. Things. You're going after that bounty, aren't you? Because you're a Mandalorian. So I'll, I know exactly what you need. I can show you where to go. And so it's like almost like he is the wizard, uh, you know, the Gandalf or, or whatever.
2: Well, and the cool thing is, too, it, It's so I think he's so essential to the story because he tells us many key important facts. He tells us these guys are a nuisance. He tells us that he's tired of this, basically... It's like a drug cartel that lives near his property or somewhere around. And it's always causing trouble. It's bringing all these bounty hunters here. He just wants to live his life in peace. He's obviously retired. He's got his place. And he doesn't want... He's tired of being bothered. And, and so he's, he's seen a lot of man. other bounty hunters Exactly. And through. everybody's <laughs> failed and died. And he's like, hey, what's one more that's going to die? I don't care. <laughs> but I can get you to it.
1: But he's read stories about the Mandalorian. So he sees this as he's the end. The end of what he wants finished is this guy yeah he, so he's gonna put a little more investment in him
0: almost as if I, I i mean we don't see him before he saves him but it's almost like he he like oh my god this is my chance like even if this guy isn't a bounty hunter here's a mandalorian and i've heard the stories so he's the guy who can help me um take he's the out best this, so far yeah he's the best chance that i've got to get rid of whatever this like you said cartel happens to be doing. And we're going to find that out in the next scene. I have spoken. We move to that compound where the Mandalorian scouts his way in. But an IG series droid uh, happens to stroll in and demand the bounty, which... First of all, can
2: we talk about how cool that guy was? (laughs) He doesn't move like any other droid in the Star Wars universe. He has some K2SO kind of spins, but every joint seems to... Come at a rotation axis instead of a bending joint like a humanoid. Yeah, and so you get all the benefits of a robot
0: without it having to be a human robot. The head, the arms, the torso, the legs—every part. I mean, he's all pistons and moving. And not since IG eighty eight just had a passing cameo in the background, along with the Trandoshans, uh, the Boss, uh, Bounty Hunter, you know, Dengar, all those guys that were in the background. Boba Fett, uh, most famously. Uh, in Empire Strikes Back we I mean people want to know about these things so for them to stick in an IG series droid was was very it was very smart it was very smart because again it, it wasn't IG-88 it was another IG series droid so it was a new thing but it harkened back to the old so we we got another taste of, of Star Wars and we got some more Star Wars humor, humor. absolutely
1: Humor was fantastic, just like Andy said earlier. How some of the earlier, you know, episodes four, five, and six, there was a lot of humor in it, and it, it was for our age. And this added that humor where we didn't see that in. Seven and eight, and it was
0: well, it was Star Wars appropriate humor, and, and absolutely. I don't mean it little verbs. I don't mean that the uh, like Last Jedi was inappropriate humor. It just what like it, felt it was a very great movie. Marvel-y humor, yeah. It, it felt
2: very Guardians humor, like we're trying to force something in, right? Or we're trying to paint something different. Where this felt more authentically Star Wars humor,
0: exactly. It th- like nerf herder
2: type of humor, right?
0: That that humor that we saw in Episode eight, and to a lesser but but still a degree in seven. It it didn't take you completely out of I I would argue and ain't it does but this kind of humor just seems to fit because it was a, it was appropriate for the character you know the character of a droid the as we saw as you said with K two S O the this droid is clearly just going by the book like I he rattles off the different bounty codes and says by order of this you are going to give me you know bring him out now and 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 all that stuff so there's a little bit of humor when he says i must now self-destruct self-destruct and enter the mandalorian who comes in and saves the day because he's like no listen no um i'm part of the guild i can i can help you out we can split um split the bounty which strangely enough again he seems to work well with this droid he he must know him because he it's not just a, it can't just be a thing like hey i'm part of the guild too he couldn't have known that he was uh, going to be a friendly bounty hunter unless he had some prior run-ins with him or some prior meetings with him i've got to disagree
1: was, with that because i th- he shot him he didn't not, know i think he just shot him and then not until he actually announced what he was doing and why he was there
0: I took it as just that, you know, a shadow, moved, a shadow moved out of the corner and the IG droid shot. Him. But it, it's entirely possible. That's one of the cool things about this first episode is we have all these little things that are coming in that we don't really know. You know, there could be another episode later. Now, we let, let's move on with the scene and then we'll get back to him in a moment because he's going to end up on the floor. Um, the IG uh, eleven um, blasts them, accepts them as part of the guild, teams up with them. Uh, Were you surprised at how
2: quickly they split the money?
0: Uh, uh, that surprised me a little 100%. bit. That he was so quickly to just go, eh, let's just split the money. Yeah, it 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 seems to fit with the character of the Mandalorian, but it doesn't seem to fit with an IG series droid who would go there. On his own for one, just one purpose and for one purpose and just to for one purpose money back quickly to to negotiate unless there's some code that we're just not we're going to learn about maybe or does that code
2: or does that paint the picture of how dire the situation was right they they're didn't behind to they the survive pillar. so they quickly they quickly came to negotiation because they wanted to live
0: right so it, it clearly it's an exception to the no droids rule for the Mandalorian and we don't know a lot we, I mean we don't know anything about the history of the IG eleven droid and. And if he's got a history with the Mandalorian or not. But um, they survived the onslaught. And then um, they use a repeating cannon that was used against them to enter the stronghold. And then they find the bounty. And it's a 50-year-old infant. And it is Yoda's species. Now, this was the reveal. This was the moment that my jaw dropped when I saw it for the first time. Because I know that George Lucas said we're never gonna find out what species Yoda is. It is and yes, there was Yaddle, the other the female Jedi master in the prequels. But other than those two, this is the third ever species of Yoda that we've seen. We don't know anything about it. I'm not sure we're gonna we're gonna find out anything about this this creature, uh, other than it's a bounty and somebody wants it. But Dave Filoni, he's not just some guy off the street. He was tutored by the master, George Lucas himself, on the Clone Wars. And he's kind of been groomed over the years, taking on Rebels and Resistance, and now finally getting his first chance to direct live action. So he's not going to do this without the blessing of George Lucas. But that doesn't mean that George Lucas is really happy about it. When I saw this, I said, I I had to take a step back. I said, whoa, maybe we're going off the rails here. It was Uh, so
2: cool. I just, I just kind of got all, like, squizzly inside. It was just like, whee! There's just such a neat, like, the playfulness back and forth and the, the sweet tenderness of, like, a 50-year-old baby. That's yeah. hilarious to me. Yeah. And, he, and when uh, the droid says, hey, uh, they age differently in different species. Yeah. That was just such a cool thing because it's such a unique Star Wars thing. You're not going to find that Mission Impossible. You're not going to find that in, in a James Bond movie or a Western even, like... It seemed like the, uh, much of the show was. It's very
0: uniquely Star Wars, which was so cool. I, I totally got uh, fooled. And and normally I see it coming from a mile away. But I, when they, again, maybe it's because I believe that we're never going to find, we were never going to find anything about that species. That when the blaster hit, I thought, oh my gosh, they just killed a baby in the Mandalorian. And then, of course, we see IG-11 Fall to the floor. I don't know necessarily that that'll be the end of that droid because oh, I think it just stunned him. I don't it, think it was it, his... probably just took him out of commission. For no, because
1: in the initial battle, when he gets knocked over by the repeating cannon, he gets hit in the chest area, right? And then he talks to him about, Are you hurt? and he's talking about his central area and, and he's talking about his chest area, not yeah. his head. And he shot him right. in the
2: head specifically. Definitely, the, the Mandalorian doesn't miss. Yeah. You don't see him miss one
0: time in this whole show. Yeah, he so it doesn't seem like he's trying he to... He knew just, that that was going to incapacitate him or a, destroy him or whatever. Fatal, he wasn't looking for a fatal wound. He was trying to save the Yoda baby. Right, right. So we, that's where we leave off with the episode. But that doesn't... that That's not, the, not necessarily the last or the lasting image that we're left. Because we get a little bit of E.T. phone home... Where he goes to touch the baby, and the baby reaches up to touch him, and it's very reminiscent of of ET. Of course, that ET species is canon in the Star Wars universe because it appeared in the prequels in the uh, Hall in the of Senate, in the, in the Senate. Senate. Um, so, I'm not su- I'm not suggesting that it's it's an. I think it's an overt nod. I think I think I think it was intentional. Sure, uh, but I also think it was to show, hey, he's got a connection with this this child. The um, Elliot and Et had a connection, and I think it's just to to hammer home to us, like, look, this guy's got a soft heart. It's an orphan baby. He even if it's fifty he's a years old,
2: I don't think he's going to turn him in personally.
0: Right. It, I, I think I think we're gonna, I think this is going to cause problems for him. Um, but what do you guys think? What do you think that the do you think do you, first? Do you think shooting IG11? It's a now there's just clearly some code because they came to an agreement. So is shooting IG11 gonna cost him something? Is not turning this baby in because we mo- we all know he's not gonna turn him over to the doctor, right? I mean if he if he's willing to shoot an IG11 droid or the IG11 droid, he's not gonna turn him into a doctor who's gonna experiment on him. Well, so we, what does this mean for this? Well, we talked about
1: this earlier about them possibly having two different. Um, bounties that they're actually taking because of the differences uh, we saw when he took his bounty and it, when he took it from the doctor that there was two choices that he had, right? Mm-hmm. Preferably alive, but he was pragmatic and he knew that there was always as a bounty hunter.
2: And the doctor it, did not want him dead. And the doctor didn't right. right. want him That's not one that right. I, I didn't want to negotiate that. Right.
1: right. But IG-11 had only one choice. Still and he was, the order was to kill. And so are they getting two sets of orders? Are they getting him from two sets of You know, of buyers.
0: Right.
2: Well, One of the things I thought was so cool, though, to go back to the finger, um, the E.T. thing, was that um, you think about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg being rivals at the box office and then being friends, and then I don't know if you know the fact that, like, they traded uh, points on on Star Wars and on Jaws and how George Lucas made um, less money on Jaws and um, his points off of that, but Steven Spielberg made a ton of money off of his Star Wars points that George Lucas gave him because they were betting against each other to see who would rival at the box office. So to me, there were so many layers in that joke of him reaching out to the finger of the baby like ET. It was like, hey, George and Steve's spirit is still in Star Wars with their Raiders and their their all their Indiana Jones stuff. So I thought that was kind of a cool extra layer to it.
0: But I think I, I think there. I think there is a meta joke being yeah. played on all of us too, because you know there's a, it's a 50 year old baby, <laughs> <laughs> awesome to think about. which I know. people I mean, are 50 year old babies. I'm kind of, a, I'm not 50 years old, but I'm like a 42 year old baby when it comes to Star Wars. I was a kid, you know. I mean, we're all we're all kind of put back into that moment where like, hey, we're we're old, but we're we're still fans of the Star Wars universe. Uh, we 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 have an expectation. And yes, it's nice to have your expectations upturned every once in a while. But at the end of the day, you just want your Star Wars to feel like Star Wars. You want your Marvel movies to feel like Marvel. And this really kind of—I mean, you—I know, don't—I wouldn't say that that's the moment of the of the episode. But really, you have this reveal where you you just don't—I you expect it to be a child. I mean, when you see it open up and there's. The, and there's some cloth there you go oh it's a baby oh okay it just, it maybe it's a force sensitive baby yeah yeah oh, oh that's it's a good very point much a
2: superman callback of he's in the little capsule he's been preserved at some point his parents very much moses like putting him in the basket to save his life uh since it's a species that's not going to continue if he's not preserved in some way that we're willing to sacrifice everything and give this baby up not for adoption but just to survive we're just going to put it in a bubble and throw
0: it out there and there's think, a, think about this there's There's only two other species, or two other of this species that we've ever seen. Both of them were Jedi Masters, right? Right. So, is there something intrinsic about this species, and do we find that out, that maybe that's why the Doctor's operating on him, or wants to operate on him, is why is this species so in tune with the Force? Or is this just another, or is this just a child, a rare child, uh, and just an object of... Uh, some rich guy, you know, like uh, the Collector. We saw the Collector uh, in Solo, who he collected all those things. It's just just a bounty that... And that's the cool thing that we're going to find out in the next couple episodes is he's going to have to either... Tr- he's going to have to report back. Um, he can't just disappear. Um, that's not how it works in the Star Wars universe. He, I mean, it didn't work for... for It doesn't work for anybody uh, disappearing for, for very long. So he's going to have to return but the something's gonna have to change with the deal right um, clearly we see uh, in promotional uh, material that he gets more armor where does that armor come from well we know that the client has that steel so does he go in uh, one of the pre, one of the previews we see him shooting stormtroopers now it doesn't necessarily mean that it's his stormtroopers or his his uh, bodyguards but it very well could be he goes in and says, you know what? I couldn't find the baby. And which the, and then the client knows, Hey, you're, you're BSing me. You're well, when he says it's
2: the baby, he knows that that reveals oh, itself. That's true. Says, I, couldn't, I didn't find the I, baby. I, I didn't I'm find like, the baby, yeah. He's like, oh, man. <laughs>
0: that that would probably be a not a, not a very good uh, choice for writing. <laughs> but, it <would> make, but, <laughs> but it would
2: make sense, though, if he's a new bounty hunter or he's not that great at it. Right. He could have a bumble and that yeah. could show more humanness of him as well.
0: That could, yeah. It could be like 50 years... Um, I said, you know, we didn't mention it was... We said it was 50 years old. What do you mean, baby? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the doc... I'm not 100% sure if the doc... Doctor is the one who. The doctor didn't seem like he had a lot of credits to his name. Um, he didn't seem very savvy, and he just walks in on that meeting. He so, busts in and he's almost shot. Yeah, right. right. So it it almost seems like the bounty's coming from somewhere else, but the doctor is the one who's going to experiment or whatever on the base. I mean, and that's just my. See, assumption. And I took
2: it as the doctor was he. If he's the doctor, much like a scientist would care. I want to preserve the species. Don't harm the animal. He's an animal lover. He's a species lover. And so, if he knows the rarity of this character, now that we know what it is in hindsight, he's like, "No, you cannot kill it because that's the only one. There's only two other ones in the whole forty-five year Star Wars universe." You know. So he sees the preciousness of it like a precious metal, whereas the other guys just
0: see it as a job. I'm I'm just not sure. Just because the the baby has been captured or is being guarded by. The cartel the, that and and if he, if you just said he had to go to a compound but we learn from the ugnot that these guys are no up to no good right so we know that this this compound is being manned by people who are so not did they, did they steal the Yoda baby so he, did they steal him or are they guarding him for somebody else or are they playing middleman to some you know is somebody coming to pick the baby up uh why you know i don't know what the time frame is he gets he gets the tracker, and then he's you know, luckily split. He's on the planet, and you know things happen can happen fast in the universe. But I don't know. You know they don't have much information. They just know his last known location and and his age. So I'm not really a hundred percent sure where where the bounty's coming from because it doesn't seem like it's the Doctor. I I, I could totally see how that could be the case but to me it just seems like there's some third party that has has a purpose now maybe the doctor is in it for maybe the doctor is 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 a doctor because he wants to save the species but maybe that's not his job maybe he's maybe (laughs) he's captured and he's being forced to experiment on this child we don't know any of that of that Tim, you have something. Yeah, um, when he comes
1: in to the compound after he shoots the last guy and they look around and they scan the room. And then he scans with the, the tracker to see. And if you look, it's not a pile of garbage maybe, but it's a pile of stuff. It's not like that orb that the Yoda creature is in. Is in a protected area or in a? It's just in a stockpile. He's of not stuff. in a cell. He's just thrown in the, the corner. He's thrown in the corner. So point. is it something that they were just collecting, or do they even know it's there? Do they know
2: because Did they pick up a whole bunch of stuff? Much like the Jawas, they just collect all the stuff. Right. They and they're could be the bad ball.
1: guys. They're ravengers. They sure. Just... Yeah, that, so that you know, we that just don't makes know anything about this other than the location. A lot of, the of
0: times, they could be the pirates of this episode. They could be pirates who. Uh, hijack, let's say hijacked a cargo, and the Mandalorians brought in by the people who whose who's cargo was hijacked, which happens to be the Empire or the or the, the old Empire. Empire in this case. They had their cargo ransom. That that very well. I Can't can definitely see out. that. That to me, um, when you bring it up, that seems that's like a really the most theory. likely theory. Now is that because in Star Wars that race of the, the race of characters that were in that compound, they're often associated with pirates and and things like that. In other Star Wars media, in the cartoons and things. I, I half expected to see Hondo pop up. I was really open, uh, Hondo, Anaka... I don't know if you guys know him from Rebels and then from the Star Wars Galaxy. I only to, see.
2: but like I felt like I felt like the world was very much rooted in Batuu. I felt like it was I think that's why it felt so real. You saw the moisture Evaporators, you saw the um, you saw all the stuff, you saw the Gronk droids, you saw all those things that made it feel like you were actually
0: like I've been there because of Galaxy's Edge. So looking towards the future, do we think that this is going to end up we, we didn't see any, well, we don't know, but we didn't see any planets that we know 100% were from another Star Wars media. from cart- I, I'm not as well-versed on the comic books. Um, I haven't read every single book, but I've read a lot of them. So I'm not really sure if there was, maybe there was, maybe that ice planet has shown up somewhere else. Maybe the rocky planet or the desert planet um, maybe that desert planet was Tatooine. I don't think it was, but the other side but, of the planet. Yeah, it could. It could it felt it like could all be new planets, frozen. because right. right. I feel
2: like even Hoth, you don't see water on Hoth, frozen like that. Right. So they were on a big, giant frozen lake, and so I, it didn't
0: feel like Hoth to me. So, do we think that we're going to see more new places, or do you think Disney is going to start to try to tie things in? Maybe not to Tatooine and Hoth and expand and the galaxy. But are they going to start? Are we going to see Batuu? Do you think we're going to see um, the, the Outpost? Um, I think we're going to see Black Spire Outpost probably pop in but in Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if they're going to
2: put in the Mandalorian. Because I think the timeline of uh, Black Spire Outpost it's going to have to look a lot different. Because we're just after Return of the Jedi. Whereas the um, the Black Spire Outpost and Batuu, they seem to be happening in a First Order universe. In a post-Kylo um, Ren era. And Kylo Ren's ship is docked there. And so it feels like that um, we're so much further down the... 30 years down the road from this moment in time. So it would almost be like Black Spire Outpost was in a newer... It'd have to be a much newer...
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. Clearly there are more than just like Black Spire Outpost and Batu Places for um, a congregation of, uh, of people to happen. I mean... If course, you're going to have a huge universe, you're going to have plenty of sure. planets and things like that. I just think I just feel like Disney can't help itself and that wants to do these nods. Now, the thing that gives me pause in that is that I really think... I, I, I know John Favreau is a big fan. And I know that Dave Filoni is one of the directors. Bryce Dallas Howard is a director. Deborah Chow, who is going to be doing the Obi-Wan series, is one of the directors of one of the episodes. So they have people there who are self-professed star wars fans so i think they would err on the side of and 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 um, john favreau has written a lot of the if not all most of the episodes so i i think that gives that's the only thing that makes me think that maybe disney doesn't have its to its hands completely on on this pro um on this property and on the mandalorian is that maybe we will see a lot of new areas or areas that are tied to the old st- i i don't want to see them going to naboo or uh, or endor uh, in, in this show you know no. I, I think that that yeah. does we've make seen those places fun. before we've seen hoth and th- it doesn't it doesn't seem to me to make sense unless they, I mean, unless they do unless unless there's a, a concrete reason that ties into the larger star Wars story for them to go to endor okay i mean i guess you could make that case but I'd rather them show us some of the things that we've heard. Maybe some of the places we've heard. Like, oh, remember uh, the, maybe the move in the Battle of Danab. Maybe we go to see D'Nab, um, which is mentioned by Land of Calrissian, but we never see it. Some of those places, like, it doesn't have to be during that battle, obviously, because it's after the Return of the Jedi. But maybe we get to see some of the places that have been mentioned, but not... Um, but we've never seen before. That would be okay with me, rather than I, I don't want to see them go back to Tatooine, and And, and I don't
2: like, see them going to Batuu in this series especially because I don't think they want to risk the whole point of Batuu was supposed to be a hybrid of all these different types of lands. Now if they go to there and the show fails or flops or it doesn't get the ratings they think it should, that could adversely affect the property in the theme park. So I think that they would be careful to distance them if they want to keep them Almost two separate universes.
0: They've they've done they've released the books and some of the you know I think the referencing a books is different than a TV show. It, I, I I absolutely agree with you, but there are things that end up happening in the books that end up com- not necessarily directly related they're to born in the, the movies. And they germinate and become right. A they they there's a little nugget, um, and again, that's where those things like the Danab and and Ryloth and other places. You know, maybe we get to see. Um, I I don't like the Tars that much, but maybe we get to see a little bit of like who was the the prince who was, um, you know, thing, things that are not completely outside of um, of the realm of the of Star the Star Wars universe. I want to see cool, interesting things, and I want them to be new, but I also want to have a little bit of flavor. Tissue.
2: You want the connective tissue like in Rogue One right. when you see the barkeeper from Mos Eisley and he's walking through with that character and you see him just for a split second. It's like, hey, I recognize the familiar face in the audience, but they don't hang on him. He doesn't become a whole part of the story in a chapter. We, we
0: have, you know, specifically in Rogue One, we've got so much uh, because of the, the Death Star and Moff, Grand Moff Tarkin, we have a lot of things that we can gnaw on. It, but there's nothing like, you know, you have all that and you have Darth Vader, right? But what have we never seen Darth Vader do? In, Ro- in Rogue One, he wrecks shop. He goes crazy with the lightsaber. It was the and w- it ever. was the best scene in the movie. And it was added me.
2: very late in the movie. Did you know that? Yeah. It, I mean, so
0: late. It was a reshoot. Last, oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't yeah, it was a
2: reshoot. It was added after they were basically almost done with the movie. And they said, we need something else. And they punched it up with that.
0: Yeah, see, those are the things. Like, I want something that has the flavor of old. But I, I obviously, I want new stuff. I don't... Uh, I would be okay with hearing about Luke Skywalker, but I don't want to see another actor play Luke Skywalker, never, you know what I mean? Like even Sebastian Stan, who supposedly looks a lot like him, I don't need to see the buddy cop drama of uh, hey, Luke's got you for a bounty, you know, Not even in season two. I don't want to see I don't want to see a young Han Solo. I don't want to hear about uh, you know, or I, I mean, I'd be fine with hearing about general or- Organa. Or whatever. If she, I don't know what you don't want to
2: see. Leia growing up as a senator's But daughter. I, yeah, I don't want to see <laughs> and watching her go
0: to court every day. In this, in this show, I don't want to see the political intrigue. I, I, I'd be okay with it if it had to do with a bounty. But since we're we're showing the Mandalorian, I want to see if he him goes to stuff. jail and has to get out of jail, and he has to get bailed out. That makes sense for the plot.
2: Right. However, just seeing it to see it for its sake seems a little heavy handed.
0: Show me more bounty hunters. Show me more of the underside of. You know, they've said that this is going to be. We're going to see why the first order um, was allowed to operate and and form. We're not necessarily going to see the the initial formation of it, but we're going to see why it was okay. So, show me more of that criminal. Like, why are these bounty hunters just like uh, you know? In the very first scene, the guy comes into the in, comes in. The barkeeper knows what's going on. You know, he's just trying to. Hey, man. I mean, look what happens in in A New Hope. They go into the bar, and Obi Wan just flips them a gold coin. Everybody else goes back to normal. I mean, we have we we know that there's this lawlessness, uh, obviously in Mos Eisley, but we know it's just about a wild, everywhere. Wild west. Yeah, yeah. We we know it's just about everywhere. So show me more of that. Um, I do want to see the personalized stuff. I want, you know, now I want to find out a little bit more about this Yoda creature. But I you know, I didn't necessarily before the show do you know what I mean is there yeah. anything in the show that you that you um, didn't want to see it, was there something there that you go man because I didn't want to see you now I do but I didn't want to see Yoda I didn't want to see a Yoda creature was there anything that you guys saw that you're like no it's not this wasn't for me I never really thought about not wanting to see a
2: Yoda character I, I just thought he was the old one so to see a second one was a cool intrigue I don't know that there was anything in the the show that I thought, I could have done without that. I I loved every frame of it. Even him looking through the scopes. And uh, The first time he puts up, I'm watching the helmet to see, okay, is he putting it up to his eyeball? Or does he have one lens through the thing? Is he like a cyclops? Is he going to look through the middle of it? Where is he looking at the holes in the helmet? I'm watching him put that little telescope up to his eye as he moves from the right eye to the left eye and thinking, oh, so he is a human under there for sure. Because we don't know. We've never seen a bounty hunter with his helmet off. We've never seen a Mandalorian with his helmet off, have we? We don't know that it looks like a person. Uh, well,
0: we haven't seen a well. Mandalorians are humans, but we, this might we, we like we've said. You see the flashbacks of him as a kid. Oh, so right. Yeah, that, we do know yeah. that. Yeah. But we don't could know that he is actually a Mandalorian, right? I mean, adopted it's, into it. It could be right. adopted into it. Uh, Boba Fett, most famously, not a Mandalorian. Uh, his father, Jango Fett, was not just stole the armor, right? So. Could this be another echo to that? Whereas this guy uh, is brought up as a foundling by Man- by other Mandalorians, but maybe he's not. Maybe, you know, because Star Wars seems to be doing that a little bit. It's that it doesn't matter where you came from. It just matters the choices that you make. So I just feel like this show, show is setting us up for, for some lesson, you know? Sure. Like... Do you think that there's gonna be not not a, I don't wanna say PC but do you think there's gonna be some social lesson that we're supposed to learn out of this or is this just gonna be I know it's only episode one and we haven't seen episode two yet but do you think there's gonna be a, a some kind of lesson that John Favreau is teaching us
1: well, look what he's done with the Marvel stuff right I mean we've fall in love with every one of the characters of them and their storyline not just not just the actual superhero but under the armor For Iron Man Right Bruce Banner I mean Some of the earlier Hulks We didn't care For those movies Right But Do we like Bruce Banner now I think Bruce Banner Is one of the Greater Roles Even over The Hulk So yeah I think he'll do A really good job On spreading us Around the universe Here and getting us Tied into some Of the other aspects Other than the
0: Grandiose White and black Of Luke and white Vader and black so maybe this is just a, a character study um, on that gray element we're not you know it's not a gray Jedi but maybe this is that not morally questionable because obviously he he saves he saves a, a he has a code a, for sure. yeah he's got a code but we've we also know that he he's not above killing people I mean he didn't have to kill that he didn't have to kill the bullies in the bar at the beginning right he didn't I mean he he, he definitely have- needs to defend himself. Um, He's but, not Batman, right? <laughs> He's not tying them up and presenting them for the person right. He to care of he drags the guy in halfway in, and then he does wait until he gets shot at to to fire on them. But there's, I mean, I gotta believe there's something else he could have done, and he didn't have his blaster set on stun or anything like that. I mean, he was, he was clearly out to. He was okay with killing. He didn't miss. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I can't help myself. I look at the way Disney does things now, and I have to say, okay, what are they trying to teach us? Is there going to be some questionable material that ends up popping up in here that we're all going to be preached to on? Or is this just a great Star Wars story? I, for one, am hoping that it's just a great Star Wars story. And I don't think... I, one of the things that I put in, uh, we have some show notes, and one of the things I put in there was, uh, how do, do you think this changes how we see other Star Wars properties? And I don't think it does. I don't think it changes how I look at Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. I was a little worried. But for you guys, did you guys feel like this added to or took away or didn't change at all how you feel about the things you love? Because my favorite movies are, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back and, and New Hope. I mean, I, I love that original trilogy. I love the other stuff too, but that's what I grew up on and I, thankfully after watching the first episode of The Mandalorian, I don't feel like it affected any of my love for those original things. Can you guys say the same? Tim, do you, do you think you can I don't say think the same? it changed
1: anything for me as uh, my original love, but I do love character development and I could spend hours in other types of shows including this show where we've got a character that millions of people love but we didn't know anything about him and now we get to know a lot about him
2: yeah i think for me it's just uh it's like you you like a happy meal, and it's got the it's got the entree, and it's got the side, and it has the drink. I felt like we just got more of the sides. I feel like we're taking a side, and we're gonna get dive deep, and we're gonna look at each individual French fry, and we're gonna have an episode that we're gonna look at each individual French fry, and we're gonna rotate in three hundred sixty degrees like we were little kids staring at it. And I think so. To me, I think it just enhances. It's more of the same flavor. I don't think that it um, it can't tarnish or diminish what we've seen before because I think they're I think they're separate.
0: We're gonna we're fortunate in that the second episode, we don't have to wait a whole week for the next episode. Cause Friday. the next episode is going to be dropping on Friday. And it's, I mean, it's a really interesting title. It's chapter two. <laughs> so I guess for this, uh, there's eight episodes that are going to be released. Um, after this Friday, they're going to be released on every Friday. Um, so that's, um, that's something that we can look forward to. We can look forward to every Friday, getting a new episode, um, and that's how they're going to be released from now on on Fridays. so uh november 15th chapter two uh directed by rick Famuyiwa. Famuyiwa, Um i think this is going to be his most famous i looked at some of his other credits i know he's very well respected in the directing community uh he's got a lot of independent films and things but i think this is going to be he probably is at least right now his most famous credit because based on what I've seen, everybody talking about the Disney Plus. If they're talking about Disney Plus, they're really not talking about um, Lady and the Tramp, uh, which is I'm sure is going to be a great movie, and I'm going to watch it. Um, but the the original series that the, the the flagship of this Disney Plus series was The Mandalorian, and now that the first episode aired, I think people are going to be you just can't wait to see the next one. And I know neither of you can wait either right so we're well, baby
2: Yoda was trending on Twitter people were saying please don't look at the trends on Twitter because it's gonna spoil the show for you because everybody was trying to find out more information so I think it shows the insatiable desire of Star Wars fans but also just people in general I think Disney plus my wife was opening it today and she was like they have this movie and this movie and this movie and so I think the fact that Disney kind of owns the whole world now with Fox and the merger and all those <laughs> things, I think that, I mean, even Home Alone is on there. You know, The Sound of Music is on there. There's a lot of classic movies. I the think Simpsons are now on there. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of deep dives that we can take that, um, and thank goodness for that, because we have to wait till Friday.
0: Yeah, but at least it's only till Friday this week, and then after that we'll have to wait a, a week for each episode. If any of you listening out there have some comments, some constructive feedback for us um you can email us at catcherandkeeper and keeper at gmail.com and uh tim harris myself and our special guest andy Shelb, who i gotta believe is gonna make some more appearances um after just such a really exciting discussion about the first episode of the mandalorian um, i i gotta believe that we're gonna th- this is a long episode but They might even get longer because there's going to be all (laughs) because then we're going to have more than one episode to talk about. If anybody's listening, I want them to be longer. So if you can (laughs) add more footage, please. please, Yes, we want more footage. Thirty nine minutes for the first episode. I haven't seen what the second episode is going to be yet, um, but I it to me it it did seem like a short thirty nine minutes. I don't know about you guys, but first viewing
2: felt long to me. The second viewing, when we were talking about it, watching it, it was like. Wait, we're already here. Yeah, I think because every shot, I was just going <gasps> the whole way through. So the first viewing, I was just kind of like, "That's so beautiful." I'm I do want shiny armor.
0: I do want more. I do want more uh, from the show. And I don't. I, I think though, if they're if they're going to give me thirty nine minutes and it's going to feel like the thirty nine minutes are important, then great. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's then that's what I want. I don't want them padding it out. There were a couple of scenes in there. There there on first viewing, I was like. What's going on here? But then you start to think about it, and you start to talk about it with your friends, and you start to realize, okay, I see what they're doing here. This is important, especially in the first episode. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done in a first episode, right? I mean, if you if you watch Game of Thrones, and you think about the arc that that first episode, they had so much to do and talk about in the first episode, and then it ends with a guy getting a kid getting pushed out a window. Up until that moment, when the baby is revealed it could have just been anything right and and it was at a, that, we it would have a regular accepted regular macguffin yeah we 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 would have accepted whatever it was it could have been a glowing light and we don't find out what it is until episode 2 but um, seeing that reveal uh, i mean it de- it's definitely going to get like you said trending on twitter it's definitely going to get people talking and that's what kind of we want as star wars fans to happen we want people to get excited about star wars again i know we're going to do an episode as it gets closer to, if I have to do it myself, I'll do it myself. Uh, previewing uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and then we'll talk. I mean, that movie's the longest Star Wars movie yet, right? At two hours and thirty-six minutes, or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty big. So uh, you know that that's going to be a two-hour, thirty-six-minute pot. I mean, it's <laughs> just we're just going to have to dissect it. And uh, even if I hate it, I'm still going to watch it, and uh, and still going to love to talk about it. Because it's the the I end of the saga. kill three PO. I just there's so many things I hope don't happen in the Rise of Skywalker that it's so nice now we have the Mandalorian right that we can kind of get our Star Wars fix and I don't have to worry about any of that it's true. because I'm so worried about how the, the Disney is going to choose to end the Skywalker saga that it's so nice now that for the next seven weeks um, and next seven and episodes next year. And next year with episode, with season two, good point. There's gonna, We already know there's a season two. And that seems, after seeing the first episode, that seems like a no-brainer. But it's really super expensive to make this show. It was $200 million, $100 million at least to make the show. And they're going to have um, the Obi-Wan series is going to come out. It's, I think it's a limited series of like six episodes or something. But so Disney is putting money into Star Wars. And if I can't have an episode every year um, with with Luke Skywalker in it, then the next best thing, I guess, is to get this episodic TV. Where, no, I mean, nothing would give me greater joy than to come here next week and to be and start theorizing with you guys about what's going to happen for the next week. Because I didn't really necessarily enjoy the Game of Thrones content. But what I did enjoy was that water cooler mentality. And that's what I think Star Wars and the Mandalorian is giving me right now. I might feel that way. I might feel differently in a few weeks. But do you feel. I mean, you were another Game of Thrones watcher. Bite your tongue. I love Game of Thrones. Every piece of it.
1: Water cooler storyline, every bit of it. And I know it wasn't along the same lines as the books towards the end. And they they took some liberties. But I still think it was fantastic. It it was. And, And for this. Fine. Give me more is what I'm always going to say. Give me more. Fine. I'll pay seven ninety nine a month instead of 6 <laughs> a month. Don't tell Give them that. Riot. I know. I know.
0: <laughs> Don't tell them that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our um, episode one recap, which is chapter one recap, episode two of Catcher and Keeper on The Mandalorian. And we hope you'll tune in uh, for our next episode. Don't have a date yet for that, but uh, again, the next episode of the mandalorian is going to be released on friday november 15th and we hope you'll tune in to our next episode until then for tim harris and andy Sheld, i'm steve Lescazo, and there's no better way to end it than saying may the force be with you always